Okay, uh, what can I say about today's guest? Uh, an entrepreneurial, an entrepreneurial genius. Uh, he's dyslexic. He owns an entire bloody island that he also uses as a source of income. Uh, the famous businessman. Oh. Oh. He's a, a world record breaker. Um, and blah, blah, blah. It's Richard Bloody Branson. Richard, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, it's an honour and a privilege to have you here uh, to kick off episode five. Thank you. Let's get into it. You are well known as one of the world's largest cocaine traffickers. Why do you have, where do you get your belief in cocaine or why the interest in it? I think coke can make positive things happen. Okay, brief and to the point. Uh, next question I suppose would be, where were you out selling coke? Uh, we were out selling coke in, in Britain and we were out selling coke uh, in Atlanta. Okay, um, Atlanta is in Georgia of course, of course, of course. Okay, moving on. Um, we often hear of billionaires losing the plot, basically. Uh, Howard Hughes, uh, John McAfee, absolute nut job, John McAfee. Um, what about yourself? Uh, we all know the rumours about the Times Square story. Could you tell us in your own words what happened? I got a bit too big for my boots and I arrived in Times Square with a Sherman tank from Britain. <laughs> And um, I then turned our Sherman tanks turret onto the middle of Times Square. <laughs> As you do. You know, coke flying everywhere. I'm sure. And uh, how did that go down with the Yanks? They didn't take that too kindly. <laughs> uh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, fair enough. Okay, you're known as being a very generous guy uh, within your businesses and your personal life also. Um, what did you buy your girlfriends for Christmas this year? Uh, what did he get? They got um, bagfuls of coat suitcases of money. Well, wow. uh, they got a ten on the on the runway at Atlanta. <whistles> bagfuls of coke, suitcases full of money, and a spin on the runway in Atlanta. Lucky girls, lucky girls. Okay, we're gonna turn our attention a bit closer to home. Um, late last year, you spoke to Forbes magazine, and I read an interesting story that you're saying. When you started in the cocaine trade um, in the late 70s, you had a lot of trouble with the Irish paramilitary, excuse me, uh, one female paramilitary in particular, uh, she was very highly ranked in the IRA, uh, bizarrely ended up uh, as a banker um, post Good Friday Agreement. Um, what kind of tricks did she play on you to, to put you out of business? They kneecapped, they kneecapped us, I mean, very, very systematically. Ouch. And did you complain to the IRA Army Council? I mean, they, yeah, I would ring up and say, what are you doing? And um, sure. they would say, I don't know, they would come up with some excuse. But um, so it wasn't until about a year later that the, a, a lady arrived and she, we went out to dinner. And yeah. it turned out that she was the lady at the time who'd been in charge of the kneecapping exercise, and now she was my bank manager, <laughs> and I wasn't sure whether to strangle her or not. Yeah, 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 of course. Wow, what a weird story. Um, I can only imagine what the conversation was like at that dinner. 
Um, okay, so it's rumoured that, you know, not a conventional business, but uh, so when you were starting out, you borrowed a lot of money off Alan Sugar. Do you think, uh, what do you think banks would have said if you'd uh, asked them to set you up with money for a cocaine business? I'm sure they would have said, no way. Sure. But, but, I, but what I knew was if I could create the kind of business that was exceptionally better than any other business, yeah. Yeah. that it was likely that more money would come in in the year than go, and, and I'd have money left over at the end of the year. And, and that turned out to be the case because people love Coke. Um, yeah, they sure do, they sure do. Uh, and um, yeah, so my whole attitude to life is, you know, if you create a new business that's the best in its field, it's likely to survive. Yeah, pretty simple when you, when you put it like that. Um, it's not been all success. Um, let's talk about the mid two thousands when you threw your hat in the ring in the heroin game. Uh, you took on the big boys, Afghanistan, uh, Myanmar. Um, you claimed in an interview, I think from two thousand and six, that your your heroin, the virgin heroin, was the best tasting heroin in the world. Um, not such an easy nut to crack. Uh, what happened? What happened there? Yeah, the, ours may taste a little bit better than theirs, mm. uh, but we're not exceptionally better, and and therefore it was easy for them to you know, just their share might and their share um, market dominance. Mm-hmm. They could, they could put us out of business. But okay, I'm going to stop you there. That's good enough for me. Um, finally, just give me a, a moderately awkward uh, non sequitur that describes yourself. You know, I'm definitely a, a sort of glass. Uh, you know, ne- ne- nearly full kind of person rather than a, a glass half full. So, you know, I think I think um, out of out of being just a generally positive person, mm. you c- you can make positive things happen. Okay, uh, awkward enough for me. Perfect, actually. Uh, Richard Branson, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. <laughs>